So, did you guys send your thank you cards to the Troy police for being so responsible yesterday? Damn. I, 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 I found a card with, like, a pig on it. And okay. It on there. That's great. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those I, pigs are really cute. and Yeah. That's the only reason and why. And humble, you know, yeah. they're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had this weird feeling I had forgotten something, but now, now I feel good. Never again. forget your thank you cards. It's very important to show gratitude. Um, remember when we got married and we had to write like 150 <laughs> thank you cards? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that was a great time. I, I don't, I don't want to be mean to anyone we wrote thank you cards for. Yeah. And but I think anyone that's married kind of knows that like, yeah. it's a, it's a lift. <laughs> it's a fucking lift. And I'm like really anal and controlling and David doesn't have the best handwriting. So I was like, I'm, you're not writing any of these. I'm writing all of them. And then I think after a card like 60, I was like, all right, yeah, no, you can, you can write some. It's fine. <laughs> so I asked that because, um, Austin Police Department got a huge influx of thank you cards, and it was really very sweet. And all of them have, very strange, all of them have incredibly similar handwriting. Huh. Um, huh. Chris, pull up this photo. It's in the, it's in the show notes, um, and we, we will include a, a picture of it in the show notes, but it really has to be seen to believe, like, how staged it is. I like. I mean, so first. first <laughs> like, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. That, so, that was a, that was a live, in person <laughs> first reaction. Yeah. To those cards, I want the first thing that pops out of my mind is that they probably even came in the same pack. Like yeah, th- this they're is all the exact same size. Yeah, and they're like from like this like I don't know maybe all thank you cards are geared toward like forty something white ladies, but just like it always it seems like that is yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But they just they all look like they're of a set. Yeah. They do, yeah. They all they're all exactly the same size. They all have that kind of like generic pack of thank you cards look. Um and like on the 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 top level I see like one, two, three, four, five cards that are all obviously written by the exact same person. And then another like three that are all also obviously written by a different but same person. Um, it's just so fucking bizarre. I don't know. I don't even have another word for it other than just like, and they've left this tweet up. And, and like, are, now here's the ratio on this motherfucker. All right, 500 retweets, 3.6 thousand likes, and 7.6 thousand replies. Ratio. That is a hell of a ratio right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I, it, so they, they say, we can't express enough how grateful we are to serve you, Austin. Our officers have been working around the clock during these unprecedented times and thank everyone who took the time to write and make our day a little brighter. Hashtag one Austin safer together. Hashtag thankful. <laughs> With the little hand emojis that are making the heart. All right. It's just so gross it's so fucking gross and the one cop is holding up the card and reading it and he just looks like such a like hello fellow humans i am reading a thank you card wow i am feeling gratitude (laughs) (laughs) this particular individual is holding a particular card that assessed was quote adorable unquote (laughs) no uh uh i and i i guess we're also supposed to believe that all of these cards were hand delivered to the station because none of them have any postage on them there's no postage on them no no one mailed (laughs) their thank you card they just like just had to get down to whatever ugly building their police department is in and i'd also like to draw your attention to the banner that says thank you for your service Look Look at banner, Officer Michael. <laughs> now, these fucking cops obviously made this banner themselves. Like, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. Mean, or, or maybe like a spouse of a cop or something. I mean, who knows? They got all types of, they got the fraternal order of police. That's probably like, you know, something you, that you do to get a merit badge, you know, like within the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the cop kid <laughs> camp. Have you ever seen any of this? Like, the, Spelled with case. <laughs> I don't know if we, we talked about the images that were floating around last week of all of the, the ch- children in riot gear. And like they had child sized riot gear. Uh, what? Did you see? No, this? I did not see that. All right. But look at that little, little riot gear. <laughs> like, why do they, they have a riot gear that small? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so this is National Guard. I had heard somebody saying, like, are they signing up fucking 14 year old children to the National Guard? Like, that can't be what's happening. But that person is, and look, I don't really like to, you know, shame folks for their bodies and it is possible that that is a very very small 34 year old no no that's definitely a child that's it's, a child, it's right? either a child or like uh like an adult with like the andy milanakis thing where like he always looks like a kid but he's actually like 40 or whatever but that that person is also like three feet tall and not in like a little person kind of way no just like, like in like a, a regularly yeah. proportioned like sp- short child yeah yeah that's fucking there's no question in my mind that these are prepubescent humans <laughs> like, like there's, uh whether the, their age is like uh you know like some sort of benjamin button situation or maybe oh, uh like i don't know there's some like some horm- hormonal issue like no they these people are are children yeah in in the most literal sense Oh, anyway, uh, yeah, no more child soldiers. Um, you know, like I think <laughs> yeah, Peter. Can da- we please, <laughs> Peter, please get to that now. <laughs> yeah, Peter Dow, you know, has has told us all about the horrors of being a child soldier. He's been speaking and, the truth, and we have we got to listen. Uh, actually, we got to listen to a lot of things Peter Dow has been saying over the last several years. God, I think. he's so on fire! Just what an absolute glow up from Peter Dow. <laughs> so you love beautiful. to see it. You so love beautiful. it. I feel like if Peter Dow can make the 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 growth that he is, if if he can grow in the ways that he has, like there's hope for every boomer. Like if you're out there and you feel like your parents are just like too lib and they're never going to get behind the cause, just take hope because Peter Dow, man, he did it. Yeah. You know, it's times like these um, that actually I think are going to get a lot of libs uh, to become more radical. Um, in it's terms happening. Of, yeah. People in the Discord, uh, if you'd like to be invited to the Discord, ironweedspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, people have been like posting screenshots of conversations with their families. In one case, one of our friends was posting screenshots with his, I think, dad, who's like a Trumper um, or some family member who was like who voted for Trump. And even they're like, Man, these cops, we got to do something about this. Have you seen these cops? Wow. A lot of people just have never been plugged into any of this. You know, it's a, it's a real opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of that is genuine. I think also a lot of that is like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make of the fact that like Ben Garrison is making cartoons now about how the cops have too much power. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And I I suspect that part of it is a two-step motion where like the first one is like these cops went too far and then the uh with George Floyd and then the second step is that is to condemn every reaction to it as something that is uh against the wishes of George Floyd or his family or victims families in general or something like that and to like just completely reorient the conversation in a way that they that they seem to know that like the hopes and prayers thing isn't working anymore right so now it turns into like a more of a toothless critique 
Or, like, you just say, well, yeah, the, the cops can't do anything because they don't have enough money. <laughs> right? And, like, we need to give them more money so they can get better training. Yeah. Right? You know, you do shit like that. Oh, thanks, Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I think, I, yeah, like, I, 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 I know that this is, like, a time where, like, a lot of people are going to be vastly changing their perspective on things. And people are going to be put into, like, brand new categories with each other now. The Venn diagrams are going to get real weird. And I and I hope that you know this just like captures like a bigger swath of like good ideas in the most amount of people. I don't know how to how else to put that, you know. But there, uh, but I, I think a lot of people are also going to come to some very fucked up conclusions at the end of a very good realization that well, the cops I, are a problem. I do think though, and like kudos to you, David, because you've been hammering this for a very long time, long before it kind of came into this public zeitgeist that we're now seeing. But the budgets—that is really where you hit a lot of libs and even conservatives—is when you break down these city budgets and you see that. 30, 40, 50 percent of city budgets are going just to cops. Yep. Um, and I, I think like most I would say 99 percent of people have before this moment never had any sense of how expensive policing is. And, you know, if there's anything you can say about like the libs and conservatives have in common, it's, you know, smart, responsible budgeting. Um that's, I think, really ideologically where you're best suited to hit them is to like say we can't afford to have cops going out to every single emergency call, to have cops showing up to every fucking break in and car accident. Like there's no reason for it. All of that money can be put to better use. Um, I think that that's a really promising direction for. And it's also something that's really useful for countering that notion of reforming the police. Right. Because reforming the police means giving police more money. That's what it always means. Every yeah, police More reform, training, different training. More equipment. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the the um, approach of Alex Vitale. And the, he's the guy that wrote the book, uh, The End of Policing. And um, and he says that, you know, like, ultimately, even stuff like community policing, Don Mitchell, a, a Marxist geographer, says this too. So, you know, like, ultimately, anything like, even the good stuff, like community policing, a, a scare quotes around good, you know, um, it at best, will just reinterpret all problems as problems am amenable to solutions that the police can provide more than anything. Ever, right. Right. You know, so like, even if you get cops like the best training available and basically turn them into social workers with guns, you know, like, then you still have all the other things that cops have to do. And of course, they're going to start merging those duties into like, you know, all one thing. Right. So even if community policing lived up to its greatest expectations like i still don't think it's still like pushing all of these problems into this martial uh uh stance you know yeah like, well and you're seeing a lot of really good public discourse even among people who are not the acap crowd who are saying like yeah okay cops do way too much like look yeah. at all of these things that we don't need armed you know the 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 fucking armed the a paramilitary force. Yeah, a, yeah, a paramilitary force. I was trying to think of like the the armed arm of the state, whatever. <laughs> anyway, it, it fucking fell apart in my the armed. It, say armed dick of the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't need a armed bureaucrat to show up because your neighbor has a loud barbecue. Yeah, it's like that's that's compl that's completely crazy. First of all, you like, don't need anybody no... to show up because your neighbor has y'all need right. to just relax. Yeah, or bit. like talk to your fucking neighbor. Yeah, you know, like so. Yeah. He's like, I like if I'm ever going to uh, 
feel in any way bad for the cops or at least like listen to them gripe about anything it would be the fact that you just have people calling them you're like i don't want to talk to my neighbor talk to my neighbor for me right because we, want... we're, we're so isolated yeah and the we're so scared to talk to each other whoa yeah so okay i did that once okay and yeah. the reason i did it was because those neighbors were really fucking like very scary people they were very aggressive they were very like rude we at that point this is when we lived on 12th street and we were friends with most of our neighbors um and they had a dog and it was the middle of winter it was february this dog was sitting outside on a short leash in the backyard no food no water just barking 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 yeah and um you're like if i go over there if th- these people are gonna like just break my into my house well and kill me. <laughs> i i mean i certainly knew that they weren't gonna listen to me and bring their dog in because yeah. they were very hostile people um yeah. and i wasn't i mean i'm like a small ish woman and i just didn't feel safe going over there myself so i called the cops <laughs> And I said, you know, listen, I just like these people have this dog outside. It's 12 degrees. You know, the dog doesn't have a doghouse or anything. I just it's just basically I wanted to make an animal welfare call. And the fucking cops show up and they're like, well, you know, we knocked on the door and they didn't answer. So and it's like even in that moment when like ideally what I would want is for the cops to like come around and get into their backyard and maybe take this dog like because this dog is clearly being mistreated. And those people were terrible to that dog. Um, and they still couldn't do anything. So basically, like, even in the places where you think, like, this is the best thing that a cop can do is take care of this poor animal that's being abused. And they just, like, throw up their hands and they're like, well, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea of abolishing policing uh, is becoming uh, more and more normalized in, you know, the the conversations that are happening right now. Um, and I think that raises a lot of questions like, what does it even mean to abolish policing? Like, what do the police do that are critical for our society to have? And how would we do those things in a way that isn't the police? Uh, and so, you know, using your anecdote as an example, it's like, I don't know. Uh, I guess next time, like, it, you know, that this type of thing happens, like, we should call, like, each other, like, in this room right now. Like, let's make a pact. If there's a dog that needs, uh, a dog owner that needs some lecturing in this specific circumstance, <laughs> give me a call. I'll come over and be like, hey, buddy. Hey, what's that dog's name? Well, but the dog thing liberation about that, front. You yeah. know, the thing with that is that, like, you can go over there and you can talk to that person. Yeah. And they might bring in that dog tonight. Yeah. But that doesn't change the life of that dog. Like that, they're yeah. not going to, if if they were the types of neighbors who would have taken that to heart, yeah. I would have gone over and talked to them. Yeah. But they're well, not. And my greatest hope in calling the police was that maybe they would take those people's dog and find it a new home. Yeah. I guess, I guess you could always go and steal the dog. You could, you could vigilante So now we're talking. Shit. Okay. Right. Yeah. If you're uh, down to steal a dog with me. <laughs> yeah. Then probably. I will call you. Probably. If, if, if you know for a fact that there's a living being that you care about. Uh, that is uh, like suffering regular abuse. I feel like we'd got to, you know, parody satire our way out of that situation. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like we get, this whole m- movement in this moment and this uprising or, you know, the, these, these series of growing demonstrations um, are so obviously seated in a real deep love. Like whether that's, you know, the people that are like liberals that, you know, uh, <laughs> like <Love> pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> we'll, like, we'll get to that. We'll th- get to that work in like an explicitly like oppressive, uh, you know, sector of the economy, like Monday through Friday. But then like, you know, on their weekend, they're like, hey, like, 
Black Lives Matter, you know, and like, you know, the George justice for George Floyd. And like, I'm not going to spend any real time getting mad at people who don't share a lot of my core politics about like what we should do to like alleviate the suffering of so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, if they are like in my camp, right. Right. I will, however, get mad at people who are like straight up, like using it as cover for their deeds or misdeeds or, uh, misactions, uh, you know, in a position of power. And like specifically, I'm referring I feel to. Like you're hinting at something here. Chris. Well, I, we I gonna... mean, <laughs> basically, you want to get specific about anything? All right, all right. I don't so, know. It's so, really worth like. Well, I, I, I don't. It's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I go. Think, all right, so go off, King. Basically, I'm not going to bore people with like social media drama, um, but I had an interaction with a ex city councilor that I materially supported. I, I donated to his campaign. I considered him a friend. Um, I thought he was uh, what he said he was, which was a, a liberal progressive person who was like fighting for change. And I, you know, when I talked to him the first time, you know, um, I talked about how police accountability is like really important to me because like I live in Troy and I've personally been here through several, several, several waves of police misconduct and community reaction. And the community really knows and has like a, a history of like what's going on. Um, but anyway, uh, when it came to light, uh, through the times union publishing Edson Thevenin's internal, uh, investigation over his death. Uh, and it turned out that Sergeant French had indeed acted recklessly lied and unnecessarily executed Edson. Um, that was covered up. And that is a fact. And it was covered up by the mayor and it was covered up by the uh, chief of police and it was covered up by the city council. And, you know, I've been privately reaching out to a bunch of these people over the since about September to do the right thing. Um, and so when one of them uh, posted a Black Lives Matter thing, I said, you know, you got a lot of balls, dude. Remember when you uh, covered up for a police murder? And maybe that's too aggressive. Maybe that's like not the uh, effective way to try to draw in people, right? But I was mad and I've been mad, you know, in private for a while. Um, and I was blocked. My comment was deleted. And there was a whole thing about how, um, you know, he has recently been a victim of slander by self-appointed white allies that are being extremely problematic by targeting him as a person of color, um, you know, and like blah, blah, blah. And my intent was not to police his language. My intent was for him to be called out in public because being called out in private wasn't working um, about the very specific thing that he was complicit in that is part of the structural racism that needs to go away. And like, on one hand, I uh, would hate to be a city councilor in the time of having a moral um, you know, situation where I was aware, obviously, that this was a cover up. And it was putting a murderous cop back on the force and armed patrol of our community. Um, and on the other hand, I realized that saying anything against it was both political suicide within the party structure that I'm part of, as well as um, might actually ha make something really bad happen to me. Because like, if you believe, uh, as I believe, the firsthand accounts of many people in Troy who have claimed police brutality to extreme degrees. Um, there are people within the force that are uh, legitimately scary. 
Oh, yeah. And so anyway, that's as much as I want to get into that. Um, ultimately, figuring out how to get any type of structural uh, reform actually like that means anything uh, is essentially giving power directly to the people. So a citizen review board with subpoena power, it should be like a direct demand like from anybody <laughs> as like table stakes to go into any conversation about abolishing the police. Pretty straightforward, like bottom of the bear or not like, you know, like the floor should be like some sort of oversight with subpoena power, which just means like we can force you to tell us things, right. you know, it's just like, so, so crucial. And yeah, you know, like Chris, I, I, I completely uh, agree. And I was trying to think of like, you know, like what would make me like be on this council and then like make this, like make like a really bad decision. And the only thing I can so think to be clear, of, we're talking about Troy did just, uh, because I don't think it was clear based okay. on what Chris said. So oh, Troy did create uh, an accountability. Oh yeah, yes, but it has no power at all, and it was hand selected by the motherfucker that's behind the cover up, Mayor yeah, Madden, the Mayor, yeah, who yeah. I ran into at this Sunday's rally, and I looked right at him. I was wearing a mask, but I came right up to him and said, "Hey, you should end the cover up and resign." Which hilariously, he simply said, "I should." What? <laughs> Are you fucking serious, yeah. dude? That's what Mayor Madden said to you? That's what he Hell said to yeah, me. Hell yeah, dude. He was out in Monument Square. He was make, sitting next make, to somebody. Make, I, him, make him resign, then. <laughs> we gotta make him resign. We should do one of those yeah. honking he knows protests it's true. at his house. Yeah, you know, we know where he lives. Just drive past yeah. his house with, like, signs on their cars and honk. Yeah, make his, make his neighbors hate him. Yeah, well, there's a uh, a website, uh, DearMayorMadden.com, uh, which you can go to. And that was uh, written by uh, non-black uh, people of Troy that were seriously upset about the city's reaction before the um, uh, action that happened on Sunday. Um that were concerned about the rhetoric and the um, and the the posturing that the police were doing uh, by basically getting every single person in the entire neighborhood to board up. Um, and when I say neighborhood, I mean like the entire downtown plus a bunch of north and south. Most uh, of Troy, yeah. yeah, most of Troy, anything with big glass. And so my neighbor, uh, you know, boarded up, and he told me like, "Hey, you should board up. Like, you got a lot of glass." And uh, that didn't feel right. Like, I didn't want to board up because I, on one hand, it, it sort of gives this feeling of like, yeah, just go, go wild. Right. We're ready for that. We're preparing. It's almost like permission for people, like, right. especially children to like peer pressure themselves into like, you know, acting up. And the other thing is it sends like a signal of like fear, which is to right. say like, I, I care more about like the outside of my, uh, my windows than, than like over your reaction to, you know, an, uh, a police brutality situation that I have otherwise been silent on. And so I took it for a uh, opportunity to just put up some signs. So I have two signs in both windows, justice for Edison Thevenin and the cover up and justice for dummy uh, McDonald and police brutality. Now dummy McDonald, uh, if uh, you aren't familiar, um, had been shot in the face after uh, allegedly cutting off his ankle bracelet while under uh, probation. Yeah, not an executable defense. Nope. Surprise, surprise. He sur he survived though. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. That, that should be that, that. That should be. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It yeah. grazed his face, but there's this horrifying video you can find online where he basically stumbles out of the car and he's just entirely covered with blood all over his face, saying like, "Why did you shoot me?" Yeah. So, so th that's a good segue into actually what happened uh, yesterday that we were all a part of, and. Um, yeah, there was a an eleven thousand person rally in Troy, a city of forty eight thousand, forty nine thousand. Yeah, depending on the census. You know, 
Yeah, and um, it was 11,000 people here, obviously not all from Troy, which, you know, Brittany made a good point to me privately that um, about, like, the idea of the outside... Yeah, about the outside <laughs> agitator. Do you want to say something about that? Let's just set the stage here for a second. First, to just, like, put to rest the very idea that outside agitator, even if all of those claims are true, are even bad. So, yeah, my point that I was making was, like, this notion that um, protest movements are... Uh, drawing these outsiders into our communities and into our cities to protest like that shouldn't we have started to run from that idea I think because as we so often do we cede ground to conservative talking points and we just say no 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 they're not outside these are all good Troy people these are all people from our community you know insert your city for Troy whatever it is Um, and to me that's a real mistake because if you have people coming from all over the Capitol District to come march in Troy, what that speaks to is not, it's the very, you know, I think the outside agitator narrative makes it sound like it's contrived, when in reality, it's the exact opposite of contrived. It's an issue that so inflames people that they're willing to drive from fucking, you know, bumfuck Boston Spa to come to Troy and march. And like, that is, I think, what is that's like rhetorical ground that we're seeding that we really shouldn't because it is it is really powerful to see 11,000 people show up in tiny little Troy, New York to march. That speaks to the passion behind the issue and its importance to a lot of people. And not like I give too much of a fuck about, um, you know, property, uh, given the severity of the things that people are seeking justice for. But like, you know, it went off without a single window being broken and absolutely no incidents. Yep. Like, not a single fight broke out. Uh, nobody, like, you know, got hurt. No property got damaged. Everything was totally set up for, like, what could have, and most of the people that were there, especially later at night, were sort of expecting to devolve into some type of, um, like, physical like combat. It's been a powder keg around yeah. for a yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the cops have been saying nothing all week except... Like, we're going to kill it. Like, there's going to be a battle. We're ready for a riot. Yeah, yeah, we're ready for a riot. There's going to be a riot. You look on all the Facebook groups, and there's constantly, like, these things like, is it true that someone's coming down Husik right now? Which, like, if you don't with know Husik Road. super filled with yeah, bleach? We, we, yeah. Which, if you don't know, is, like, like a big Which, yeah. arterial road that would be, like, impossible to so walk I was down. On, so, while the boys were at the protest, I was on comms duty with a couple of other people. And um, we were just, like, monitoring the police scanners and the social media. And we can get into this later. But some of the that people were saying in these Facebook groups that was happening was wild. Like, and absolutely said, irresponsible. And Crazy so irresponsible. So irresponsible. So much fear mongering. People were like, there's a white pickup speeding down Husik that's that's uh, running into protesters. And like, yeah, I mean, people were talking about um, there's a tree on fire behind the historic building. Like, just crazy fucking shit, man. They were calling this into the cops? They were posting it on like Facebook groups oh and there God. were even a couple on the Twitter because we were monitoring Twitter, like the Troy New York tag and the yeah. um, Justice for Demeek tag and everything. Um, this is an example of mass hysteria. It really and like some of it felt like well-meaning liberals who were actually scared and some of it felt like, you know, kind of like right wing fear mongering. Um, and ultimately, here's a wonderful place where political division makes no difference. It really doesn't matter what the what the reason for them posting these things was it resulted in so much chaos and we were 
spending a huge amount of time trying to decide, trying to like fact check information because some of what we were hearing was very scary. And so we were trying to pull it from like, is there another source corroborating this? We're not hearing anything from people downtown. So much of our energy was just put into like, should we share this with the chat? Is this something they need to know? Um, And I thought having a signal chat for like a bunch of people who were downtown that was just for like need to know information at the time was really important and valuable. And I think we we tried to take that seriously. But you guys did a great job. Yeah, for real. Like you were basically like the equivalent if anybody if the listener is familiar with uh, the Matrix of like Tank or Dozer. You know, and like I, the, said, I said this exact yeah. thing. So you were like, the, you, you're like a dis, you're like a dispatch, the but you're operator, also yeah. like yeah. tying into the matrix in like a bunch of like different simultaneous feeds and trying to like you're keeping your finger on the on many pulses at once and being able to condense the critical information down to a bunch of people like yeah. out. Which well, there were a amazing. whole bunch of us you, doing that work. I don't want to like take too oh, much fair, credit fair, for it. Yeah. There yeah, were yeah. there were probably at least like a dozen people in different remote like comms um, like settings, and there was a Zoom call, and y- y- y'all were like uh, like the only people with belly buttons. Right. Yeah. It's like in the Matrix, <laughs> you know, like if you were if you were in a human battery, right, you're the only one with a belly button. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so but the reason um something I wanted to mention though is that like um we were talking about uh Demique McDonald briefly. Um his family was there, mm-hmm. right? Um and uh uh they were they were all set up like in part of the park and the cops bring up uh are, are like show up on like some bicycles or thing or they're like standing there and then a delivery truck comes up and takes out a bunch of pizzas and take out all these pizzas and they put the pizza on top of a uh, on top of a squad car and they're like giving out pizzas right in front of uh Damique's family so like and Damique's family is like yelling at them like 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 were they really yeah oh yeah they are pissed at them if there is there a video of that i don't know but the the point but here's the thing though right is that then Fucking Ken Zalewski, I'm gonna put this guy on blast. My 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 uh, city councilman Ken Zalewski, completely useless, feckless uh, council member. Uh, he's, he's David there. makes a lot of friends in yeah, Troy. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we all do. Yeah, very buddy buddy yeah. with the city council. Him and Eileen McDermott in the sixth district, the district just south of ours, like are you know, like stuffing their face with pizza in the middle of a fucking pandemic? Like, first of all, you bring a pizza, like a a, a shareable food, and you just like let people all touch it. And take and, their masks off and, and take eat their it. masks off and eat it like in the middle of a fucking pandemic. People got to eat. Right. So, I, we so first that, so you don't actually care about public safety. Right. But then on top also of that, the co- most of the cops weren't wearing masks. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I and mean, then, that's just right wing, you know, yeah. that, that's, 101. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. table stakes right now for right. being. Right. Right, right. Yeah. And then, but then on top of that, like they're handing out pizza, taking photo ops with Democrats right in front of like their victim's family. And they fucking knew that they did that. Yeah. And yeah. not a single one of the, these elected Democrats even, I probably even knew because they don't recognize that family because they never fucking talked to them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's disgusting. And, and and then you see Ken like on Facebook later on the You're city like, council member. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, like hugging a cop. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's exactly what he's doing. He's like, and it's just like a picture of his dumb face, like eat, stuffing it with pizza next to like a, a, a cop. Like it's, we were kind of, awful. uh, Half joking, half not joking that um, the cops brought pizza because they wanted people to take their masks down because we did hear confirmed reports that police were scanning that this came over the the, 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 the police the scanner. scanner. They're like, we're they, scanning for, for facial recognition. They, they were taking photos and they were scanning protesters yeah. faces to yeah. cross reference with social media. Um, should, I, should I talk about what they did to me the day before? 
You know what? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that I was am. pretty important. Yeah. That was pretty interesting. So, so w- yeah. So, you know, like when uh, people were, the cops were going around saying that every, you know, like a riot was going to happen uh, and all these uh, people were putting up boards, uh, there was a rumor um, due to like a, a mistaken flyer that went out that said Wednesday instead of Sunday. And so on Wednesday, there was like this like kind of tense atmosphere. Because people thought something was going to happen. Nothing did. There's like a dozen people eating hot dogs from the NAACP in the park. This was, was a very strange little <laughs> event. But I, like, I, I go down there with my camera just to see if anything's happening. I walk around. I mostly take pictures of the, um, all the, the boarded up buildings, you know, for posterity. And, um, and some the, of the art is quite beautiful. This yeah, there, there actually yeah. is some nice stuff. Uh, it's a shame that that's, that's what happened. They're like that, like the reason why that art is up there, but whatever. And I go around and so I just make a loop downtown. And I, I stop and I walk by the police station and I see, uh, two cops in their, uh, their camo gear that doesn't work in urban settings because it's made to be, to hide in foliage. It's always funny, right? And uh, they should uh, be wearing bricks. Yeah, right. Make them wear be bricks. Wearing brick <laughs> yeah, camo. brick like, is camo. that a threat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they, um, and I just see them in the in the doorway. I my camera is about to die, so I just like go over and I go boop, and I just like take like two. They're not even in focus because it was so casual, and, and I and I just wanted to see get a, like a, a a decent picture, which I didn't end up doing of like these like of like a riot or our our cops in like camo like they're a invading army because i just think that's so ridiculous all the time to be and, clear david's not like talking about taking pictures with his phone though no he, no i have he, like, he a has, like a camera. dslr camera yeah, yeah, yeah i have a camera yeah. with it with a hefty lens on. it looks yeah it's very visible yeah it's intimidating it's yeah, a, i mean yeah. a little bit yeah. <laughs> so if somebody popped out of their popped out of a corner and was taking pictures of me with that camera right but you I probably flag them down and if you had the authority to you probably pull them over if you could i'd tase them that's for sure so I, I and I wasn't popping out of a corner, right? I'm just w- walking down yeah, the block yeah. and taking a picture of the side. For all they know, just a side of a building, right? I, I don't even I don't know if it's like directly them. But anyway, I I I I keep walking, uh, and my car is just like a couple like a hundred feet ahead. And I get in my car, and as soon as I get in my car, I look in my rearview mirror, and there is a police cruiser right behind me. Like it just pulled up right behind me. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm like, well, I'm done here, and I I pull out. Uh, and I immediately get pulled over, and they say that I didn't signal leaving my parking space. I'm like, okay. Troy, Troy PD, notorious yeah. for their proper signaling. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, and so I, I, I uh, uh, and, and uh, lo and behold, it is the cop that I took a picture of. Um, and he uh, asked, how could you see him? <laughs> right, I know it's just a floating head. Yeah, you know, right, it's just a floating right. head with some Oakleys on it. Yeah. Also, don't give the cops good ideas, like yeah, right. wearing brick camo. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, and he like basically asks for my license and registration. Doesn't give me a ticket, so obviously didn't care that much about my, my about my driving technique. He he tried to very uh, cu- like uh, surreptitiously like sh- uh, take a photo of me with his phone, but because he's wearing camo and with a black phone it showed up had he been wearing a normal cop uniform might not have seen it and i was just saying think camo phone case would have been yeah the, the appropriate yeah, right it should just yeah i yeah, should have had a camo, thing, phone. a camo i mean phone aren't case. all these motherfuckers wearing uh, cam- uh body cams now wasn't no. that like the whole thing that, no like they're no, still not wearing body was... he doesn't nope. doesn't wear body cams. really There's still yeah. no still no body no dash cams on their on their cars even 
Because well, because what happens like when Dominic Comital gets uh, arrested for for elbowing someone in the face in a little league game? This is a cop who's off duty and just can't stop beating people up. Like like assaulted someone at a little league game, and and a, a cop from another police department arrests him. Yeah, he gets put in the car, and he and what does he immediately start doing? Start saying like, "You should go work for Troy PD. You don't have to deal with any of this bullshit. You can do whatever you want." He says that. Yeah, on camera because they can't fucking stop themselves. So anyway, like they uh, they pull, they pull me over. It wasn't he the guy that tortured that man that was talking at yeah. the uh, at the protest outside of City Hall? Yes, yeah, that's that's him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. our local torturer. Yeah, you gotta so, have one of those on. And, and he is part of a dynasty of yeah. alleged torturers uh, yep. on that on that department in in that department. It turns but, out it is a gene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they, yeah, they, I had three squad cars on me with like people all around me instantly uh um because i took a picture and the and, guy read, yeah, read he, your address to you like yeah. very yeah. ominous like <laughs> yeah. so so you live here huh like yeah which you know we live in like the white people burb so it's not like he's going to be patrolling you know patrolling our house all in in all likelihood right. but like yeah but he just wanted me to know that very he aggressive has, yeah, yeah just very aggressive i know where you live and i took a picture of you and uh and see you on sunday you know so that that was that's the tone. That's all just to say that's the that's been that the tone like, of the Troy PD. Yeah. And, that, and had I been black, I who knows what the fuck would have happened. To yeah, me. yeah. You know, and it, this has been you know emblematic of like the entire mood up to Sunday, which was like, oh shit, shit is going down. Like with everything that happened in Albany on Saturday and on Monday, um, it, the 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 temperature was raised. Mm-hmm. The level of expected uh, spectacle of violence was like high yeah but nonetheless even though the uh protest continued till like midnight and was out in front of the uh the troy police department they never put on body armor they never deployed tear gas they never shot anybody they all just stood their ground which was protecting the precinct and then monitoring two streets and the 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 protest was lit yeah like yeah. just saying yeah. it was really yeah. good like these and, bikers and, and, came and, by and, and like and, fucking and, were like doing burnouts and like people came by and were blasting nwa and people chanted fuck the police so much that it became like a mantra where it loses meaning yeah like, it's like a meditative yeah like, yeah, yeah. like oh, and people, someone had and, and like there was like chanting the chanting turned into kind of like a song like people were dancing to like mm-hmm. uh, like fuck literally the break, break dancing yeah. to yeah. uh like it was like no justice no, no peace fuck these racist, racist ass, ass police, police. <laughs> yeah there's no justice like, no peace fuck these racist ass police <laughs> yeah anyway it was lit yeah the videos like are hours. very <laughs> you can probably find some videos if you go to the troy new york hashtag on twitter there were a lot of good videos of the protest um yeah or or like the snap map the troy snap map you could probably still find some stuff yeah. Uh, like that, that probably lit up like crazy Instagram hashtag. But it was really full. remarkable to see the cops like out of the gate trying to clearly not escalate things. It's um, fucking rules, and to be you honest. could hear on the scanner the time that like that. they were being very responsible about their presence. Like they were very vocally responsive. Like you know, just saying like we have to keep shit chill. Um, they have a lot to hide, which just goes to show that they can fucking do that if they want. Like, yeah. that, go off, queen. Takeaway from this is that there was, and I honestly think that if it hadn't been eleven thousand people, if it hadn't been Troy New York trending on Twitter, if it hadn't been a ton of fucking media out there, it could have gone very differently. Yeah, I think if you'd only had a couple of thousand people, and it had stayed, 
you know, like vibrant into the evening, it would have been very different. But all eyes were on them, all eyes. And, you know, it just goes to show like these fucking pigs do not have to come out of the gate ready to ready to fucking gas you, ready to like just fucking Geneva Convention all over your face. Um, when there was, uh, and they only, were ready to, by the way, we, yeah, we should, no, we should yeah. say they, that they yeah. had everything hidden yes, yes, in like very, yeah. like, but they d- like separated out spaces. Like they didn't put some of the, like their biggest toys, like in the police no, department. No. Well, it was hidden behind the, what's stuff. What's the thing and, called? The conservator of peace. Yeah. Li- like which has tank. air quotes on the side of the vehicle. There are scare quotes on the conservator of the peace. It should just have like a winking face. Just like the winking eye emoji. It looks like this crazy like dump truck from hell. And it looks like something out of an apocalyptic like yeah. sci-fi film. Like it should it should be painted like with the um airplay twisted metal. Yeah. Have, yeah, uh, it, sweet tooth, uh, yeah, they have the have the the uh, the, clown. the clown on the yeah. top. Yeah, yeah it, should, it should have like an evil exactly clown like on the fucking yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. man, that, that, mo- and that there, game was so fucking good. There was an LRAD. <laughs> yeah. Like it, there were people who saw them with the bags on their yeah. legs that had the tear gas canisters in them. Like they were it's not that they weren't ready, it's that they chose not to, because yeah. that is a choice. The police departments make. I mean, they had uh, a whole squad of people in riot gear and gas masks in unmarked vehicles, including a Troy, uh, um, uh, like operations, like services truck. Like, so like stuff that they were meant to like show up by surprise. Uh, yeah, they, they, they had, had they, they had, had MRAPs other places. Yeah, and, and they, they had, to... and then every other police department on the other side of the river had already said that they were ready to assist whenever possible, and they were all, including Albany County yeah. and New York State Police, yeah, were all and the Rensselaer right County Sheriff's of, Department. Yeah, we're all right on the other side of the bridge. Yeah. Um, and and the National Guard just showed up uh, when a bunch of Boogaloo boys, which for the uninitiated, get ready, it's going to make your blood boil, are a white national organization which is essentially like a seemingly upgrade from either the proud boys or it is a downgrade from like the outright fucking uh adam waffen or whatever as far as just overt like fascism but these people wear hawaiian shirts they're white boys they wear hawaiian shirts bulletproof vests conspicuously over their hawaiian shirts and Camo. yeah of course again yeah, yeah, because, yeah. so they can blend in so, right <laughs> and and also just like uh regular like sort of like what you'd imagine someone in the military would wear as leisure wear on the weekend <laughs> and, and so lots of doc lo- yeah. lo- lots of lots of dockers lots it, of dockers so I'll just say really quick, we did we got a report over the police scanner that there was a group of white men in camo in tactical gear with large clubs yeah, um, looking very suspicious. And from that, I have to say, from that point on, the cops were on those motherfuckers until they were arrested. And not so to spoiler we. alert, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I just didn't I didn't expect the cops to like even give a shit about them. I yeah. mean, I really didn't. Um, I, it, there was a, uh, an, a moment where they're like talking from the perspective of the helicopter that's going over and, and seeing everything. They're like, all right, we see some, some white men, um, they're dressed in army fatigues. They, um, they're, they're being, they're, they're, they've got batons. They're, they're moving down the street. Oh, there, there's a, a large group of people in black clad, uh, with black flags who are approaching them. The cop um, said they look like wearing Antifa clothes. Yeah, wearing really Antifa really clothes. Yeah. Which I just want to point out, this whole Boogaloo style, like not only is it totally problematic, you know, cultural appropriation, but 
y'all just have to keep changing your outfits because y'all are the enemy of the people and Antifa already picked out the best outfit. Yeah. Just fucking all black. Yeah. All black. Done. Okay, so yeah, Nate, Noah Latham, 22, of Lewis Avenue in Fort Drum, is being held without bail at the Rensselaer County Jail, the Rensselaer County District Attorney's Office said, and this is according to the Times Union. So this was published about an hour or two before we started recording. Um, so what did they arrest him on? Does it say what the charges were? Uh, felony. Held without bail. That's... Felony count of second degree criminal possession of a weapon. So even though he was in the army, uh, he, I don't know what the, the, maybe it was circumstantial around, uh, they were armed, by the way, these people. They, they had, had pistols? They had pistols. Okay. At, least, at least one of them had a pistol. Um, and they have not uh, named the other four men, but apparently it was a group of five. Um, and then there was a time earlier in the day when I saw somebody in like the Boogaloo outfit and they had a black bulletproof vest and they had a patch that was embroidered with the word Boogaloo in all caps, and then under that, a Gadsden flag over their left lapel. And this person was just, like, marching and chanting with everybody and just, like, otherwise participating in the rally. But I kept, like, a really close eye on him uh, when he and a group of, like, four or five people, like, broke away from the protest. But then they eventually just made their way to a car and drove away without incident. Yeah, so. yeah. This and this is weird. I'm like, this is stuff that, like, this is not hearsay. This is stuff I've seen with my own eyes. Right? It was, like, one... Uh, that one of them was carrying a Black Lives Matter sign that it looks like he made himself. Yeah, I saw that. Right? Yep. Yeah, and um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, like they had like a gigantic like wooden baton, and and like they looked like they had just like like utility knives like on them. These were like already. hardwood. These batons looked like fucking, yeah, yeah, like, they were gigantic. Looking, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the cops probably wanted to take arrest them just so they get those sweet batons because <laughs> right. I think they were bigger than their own batons. <laughs> I saw some of the wizard staff, but they seemed to be uh, all good. So yeah, okay. that didn't seem like a threat. But on this uh, Noah Latham's uh, Facebook page, um, he. He posts something is like this is I don't know if it's like horseshoe theory or I don't know what this is, but it's it says like we stand united and he's like sharing something else that says again the boogaloo is full throttle pro full throttle pro BLM we stand with BLM maybe they see it as a method of acceleration because like as far as I understand the boogaloo thing like they are trying to do helter skelter according to uh, fucking Manson right like they're trying to like incite a new civil war like specifically along race tensions and lines. Yeah, I mean, that's been uh, all the way back through the Turner Diaries. People who listen to our uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theory episode will remember that that's been a, that's a long lived current in American white supremacist and white nationalist thought is if we can only bring about the race war. And this was one of the things I said last week. I think I alluded to it, but I don't know if I said it explicitly. That to me was one of the eerie things about the video of the killing of George Floyd is the fact that the cop seems to be communicating something and looking at the camera so um, deliberately. And in that moment, all I could think of was like, this man is a fucking white nationalist who is trying to start some shit right now. Um, That very well may be the case. I don't know. I mean, I I know I often get into like kind of conspiratorial thinking um, and that is most likely what I'm doing here, but it really does feel so manufactured. All of this feels very manufactured. Down to the thank you cards. Down, right down to them thank you cards yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i it's it was just so wild to watch them uh one get arrested i didn't i didn't see them firsthand get arrested but i did see like the all the 
war material like fly out of the back of the Italian community center, which is already kind of funny. Like these sentences where like I think there's a tank behind the Italian community center. It's just like so, yeah. it's just weird. It's and then all, and then very on brand 2020 yeah. thing. But and also then to feel so strange. relieved when they didn't take out the tank. Yeah, right. like, oh, yeah, we right. were spared by the we fucking were, police god. Yeah, that, like, we're spared the tank. <laughs> like, they decided to not yeah. squash us like bugs. This our, is great. Our ritual must have worked that yeah. we were able to avoid the wrath of the, the cop gods. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, there, there's just like all of these very strange, um, overlaps of like, Maybe it's not ideology. Maybe it is just like wanting to start a race war or something. But like a lot of the militia, the the more of those posts from like the organization that they claim to be a part of and stuff like that all have things about mostly like First Amendment, like like a, a constitutional rights. Like they just keep talking about the Constitution. Yeah, it's a fetish. But, yeah, but the Constitution. Yeah. Feet. yeah, yeah, it's a thing that you use to uh, f- frame and give moral authority to whatever the fuck you like think. the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just one of those documents. It's a totem. Yeah. It's like putting a uh, kente cloth on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, it's like, it's like what, what do you call it? Like, violence within the white supremacist movement. Oh, like, like, uh, uh. White on white crime. White supremacist <laughs> on white supremacist crime. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we witnessed a lot of uh, white on white crime, really. It was like, pretty much the only violence was, uh. Uh, one white supremacist organization, the police arresting another white supremacist organization. So you, you, you hate to see it. It's very sad when they don't get along. But, I don't know why um, we don't spend more time talking about white on white crime because yeah, that's really like really. by the numbers. I mean, yeah. raw you know. numbers. That's how much crime. Yeah, most <laughs> crime is committed by whites against whites. You know, yep. think about it. Anyway, but <laughs> most. <laughs> I don't know about that. When you're speaking on a species level, that's probably not, probably not the case. Maybe not species. But yeah, no, America. Yeah. America. Anyway, um, no, I think I, I, it's important to, you know, just like uh, bring it back to the point that um, there were some like really amazing um, organizers of the whole thing, both in Troy and outside agitators. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to bring it back to where we started, like, I, I think it, we really should really just throw in the trash the idea that uh, we have solidarity that goes beyond your municipal boundaries. Like, of course, right? You, know? you, sh- you have to. Yeah, you know, like, don't, yeah, don't, don't make criminal, like, loving your brothers and sisters, right? And showing up for them, right? Like, that's all that this is. And that's what you should really take away from it. And anyone that's saying, like, oh, these are outside agitators. is like, no, these are people that care about me that showed up to my home when I needed help. Yeah. Right? And that's all that that is. I have a hilarious an- anecdote. Okay. So, on Twitter, there was a man whose Twitter handle is George from Scattacoke ta- tweeting at the protest, complaining about all of the outside agitators at the protest. Ah, Scattacoke, <laughs> a, a known uh, uh, neighborhood of Troy. Right? Like, how, like <laughs> the, the irony, the levels of it are just, you yeah. can't fucking make that shit up. Uh, for for, for the, those uh, not familiar with... Scattacoke is not Troy, that's all you yeah. need to know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's far away. And, and just uh, some closing comments from, from me. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who was at all part of this in any way. I know there are a lot of people who didn't want to be in a gigantic crowd in a pandemic for a lot of really good reasons. And I know a lot of those people materially helped in a ton of ways, including just like pre-preparing snack bags and everything else. Like seeing the entire community, like, you know, in, in, in scare quotes, community of, <laughs> of, uh, of Troy really come together yeah. in like a material 
material, like uh, organic, like uh, decentralized, anarchic uh, response, full of solidarity and love for, and, and care and protection yeah. of each other. There were a lot of uh, times that people uh, did the safe thing, uh, you know, and, uh, at, you know, like wrapped it before they tapped it. Yeah, I mean, like there, there, there were there were a lot of little anecdotes where people were, I think, a little bit maybe over concerned about uh, stuff but when it turned out that it wasn't that big of a deal. Like when I t- I tailed a group of people because a dude was wearing a boogaloo outfit. Like I was just concerned he might just like whip out a pistol. Like who fucking knows? Yeah. You know? Like I mean, that's like the the goal of their organization, as far as I can tell. Um. Uh. But. But I think that people erred on the side of safety and, and taking care of each other. And then I, you know, I'm super re- relieved. I know that it was like strategically the best move for the police to not create a riot, but create the pretense that like there could be. And they, you know, kept everybody safe, which is to say, like, they kept everybody from a situation that they have created over the past several decades of extreme brutality and the natural anger that that foments um, from erupting into anything that damaged either life or property. And like kudos on them for not doing the thing that would have hurt more people. Um, But like, I just want to say like, I was super impressed in seeing all the liberals and the people with uh, like socialist flags and people with, uh, and ACAB signs and everybody, you know, marching as one and like getting along and dancing together, having like a really fucking awesome day um, and saying fuck the police straight to their face at the precinct in huge numbers and nobody getting hurt. At, and, you know, I'm like the feeling of relief. I feel like I, I lived a year in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the feeling of relief from like how amazingly it all went. I feel like I can't understate, but just, you know, this is ongoing, obviously, like, you know, this is happening in all cities, like throughout the United States and, you know, who's to know how we're going to feel fucking seven days from now when we re-record or whatever. Um, But I'm I'm really proud of it. We cannot know the future, but for now, in this moment, we are at peace. (laughs) That's beautiful. Feels great. Yeah, it does. Feels feels great. (laughs) All right. So let's. uh... Wildflower. Yeah, do we, uh, we've only got about an hour. Uh, the Kropotkin this week is like 20 minutes. Um, we can just go straight to a wildflower. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm aware that you uh, have um, a desire to go to bed early. And I feel like... It's true. I am the oldest lady on the pod. And I feel like we, we gave the people some, some good tape right there. Yeah, and yeah. we so we have... I'll just say this. We have a ton of other stories that we're going to get to. Not a ton. We have a few other uh, kind of quirky, kind of fun stories that we are going to get to in the bonus episode that we record after this. So if you would the like delicious. to hear us talk about something other than protests and Yeah. You can do that for as little as $1 a month, patreon.com slash ironweeds. The delicious, delicious bonus episode. They are so tasty. <laughs> I personally taste test all of them before they go out to you, the listener, and I can, I can affirm their tastiness. But so let's, let's end with the wildflower real quick. And you guys, I'm sure any listener already knows what's coming. Uh, Minneapolis City Council wants to dismantle the police. Yeah, yeah. Hip-hop air horns here, no to Britain. It really is fucking, I, I can't overstate this. I think I probably already said it in the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to say it again anyway, because I can't overstate how incredible it is that dismantling police departments is 
becoming part of the general zeitgeist. Like I just, if you had asked me two weeks ago if that was possible, I would have laughed in your fucking face. And now here it is. Minneapolis City Council members announce intent to disband the police department, invest in proven community-led public safety. Fuck yeah. Yo, those protesters, like, huge salute. You drop kicked the motherfucking Overton window so far. Holy shit. So far (laughs) in like, like a week. They they threw tear, they threw tear gas canisters at you. And you know what you threw back at them? Also tear gas canisters, but also the Overton window. So kudos to you. Very well done. The the Overton window is not the only window that got shattered. (laughs) Also also an auto zone that was uh, uh, broken into by the cops. That was that was the cops. Yeah, yeah that was confirmed. <laughs> well, confirmed. It, does, it does seem very, very likely based on some evidence that is not completely. It seems very likely. Yo, I heard that. his ex-wife jumped in. We the might. Fray. Yeah. It was like, we yo, might... it was that fucking dude. <laughs> Fuck that guy. We'll, we'll shoot the shit about that on the bonus. Yeah. I think I don't want right, to like right, right, there's enough. some nuance to it. Um, no, I'm leaving this in. But you know, if you want to hear us shoot the shit about that hilarity, uh, patreon.com slash ironweeds. <laughs> so. Um, Yeah, so this is very exciting. On Sunday afternoon, a veto-proof majority of Minneapolis city council members announced their commitment to disbanding the city's embattled police department. Um, So obviously, Minneapolis, the city where George Floyd was killed, things have been popping off there pretty much nonstop since. And I mean, they seem serious about it. I, I don't know exactly how they plan to go about it. I mean, the obvious way to go about it, right, is just gut their budget. Um keep them only for responding to like emergency calls where there is an armed person. The only time the state needs to send in armed force is when there is an existing armed force that is a threat to civilians. And even then, I mean, we can, I think most people would agree that that's really the only, or at least most people of our political persuasion would be if there is a place where an armed police force is necessary, it's when there is already armed conflict, you know? But so I don't know exactly how they plan to go about it. But um, one of the quotes from the city council member was, we can resolve confusion over a $20 grocery transaction without drawing a weapon or pulling out handcuffs. And that is just like so fucking common sense. Like, I, yeah. it just feels like so true. Or like if, if, if you just ask someone like a priori, right, you know, like outside of like, this is about cops. And you're like, what tools would you bring to or what kind of training would you want someone to have in negotiating like someone? Yeah, like, like writing a bad check, for example, right? You know, right. Or, or like, or having a uh, mental health crisis. Or having a mental health or... Right, yeah. And you just like have them listen and you, you know, you wouldn't say like evasive driving techniques <laughs> and sharpshooting and... Uh- I'm going to have to decipher the situation into making a kinetic situation. You know, I I feel that the perpetrator needs to be uh, intercepted by a very high uh, speed round. Uh, You know, sorry. (laughs) So, um, we don't give cops enough credit for how hard it is to say, to say things in cops. To sound dumb. (laughs) That's a a language. Duolingo on that. So some of you may have also seen the city's mayor, um, get, get Minneapolis humiliated. mayor, Jacob Frey, yeah, Fry, Frey, whatever, get just absolutely fucking owned at a protest in which he said that he did not support uh, disbanding the police department. Go home, Jacob, go home! 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 
Mayor Jacob Fry joins us now. Welcome back to primetime. Um, it's the job you wanted. It's the job you have. How did you interpret what happened on that stage? Well, there was a larger group of peaceful protesters that came to my home and they demanded to speak with me. And my rule of thumb throughout has been be open, be honest, be transparent. And so, yes, I came outside, I sat down with the protest and they called me up and and asked me if I was willing right there to commit to getting rid of the police. And I was honest. You know, if we're talking about massive cultural shift in the way our police department does business, I'm on board. If we're talking about major structural reform that pushes back on the horrid nature of how our police departments have treated black and brown communities, I am fully on board. Uh, But if we're talking about abolishing the entire police department, I was honest. That's not where I am. We pulled that audio from uh, a a Pornhub video that said, watch this mayor get Absolutely, uh, absolutely humiliated, humiliated yeah. live on camera in yeah. public. Um, <laughs> somebody said, uh, "Somebody said this mayor looks like somebody who was elected to mayor at eighteen and turned their town into wi- winter. <laughs> What's the park? Yeah, winter, Winterland or yeah, something? Yeah, whatever, winter town, whatever. Yeah, it was winter called. town. Anyway, yeah. he does look like a little boy who like got bullied into picking up his toys and going home. It's fucking hilarious. Um, so yeah, good on Minneapolis City Council. Get rid of them fucking cops. Replace them with." There's anything else anything else yeah <laughs> just people who don't have guns and Puppies. aren't fucking ramped up on roids and white supremacy that'd be great that'd be a great start and fear the most potent drug <laughs> that has ever existed <laughs> and i actually did you know what no i'll save this for the bonus because we gotta give the people something to ironweeds.com you gotta you gotta dole that out you do you uh, really do Oh, did um, did we even cover that uh, in all of this when, like, the liberal, like, hive mind has shifted to being like, oh, fuck, police does cost a lot. <laughs> that motherfucking uh, yeah. Joe Robinette Biden, Joe Robinette, shoot him in the legs, Biden, has been like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in defunding police at all. Yeah. Um. Next up, you're going to hear Krupp. Potkin, right? Should I transition to that? Yeah. Chapter 16, uh, decentralization of industry, which another place where Kropotkin doesn't really age super well because he's talking about how, so at the time, you know, turn of the century, um, he's talking about how the 19th or the 20th century will be all about nations bringing their manufacturing home. And he's talking about the relationship between like the colonizer and the colonized and how, you know, England exports, you know, it, it imports stuff and then it exports all of the cotton for Europe and blah, blah, blah. And like, well, now that's changing because, you know, Russia is now manufacturing its own stuff. And um nailed it so he's sort of (laughs) so so i want to put a little counterpoint on there okay go for it i think that he's just even ahead of our time Mm. so even though he wrote this in the late 1800s um i think he foresaw the 3d printer and like you know uh small scale manufacturing revolution which could actually revolutionize certain things like yeah fire personal firearms uh, protection like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of countries right now that have really really intense gun laws and there is currently enough technology 
that is legally available to them, enough freely available information that if they wanted to make semi-automatic, full-scale firearms in their home, nobody could stop them. Yeah. And that's something that, like, well, so I feel I is a hint even... of, like, what is even to come if our civilization doesn't collapse due to the uh, ongoing <laughs> accelerating crazies. Like, aggro than that and say that 3D printers, community-based 3D printers could be so great because you know how when you get that itch that you got to scratch, I you go on Amazon.com and you're like, look at this little tchotchke, look at this little bowl, I could put all my little, my bracelets and my my rings and my key, my like, my, my house keys, I could put them in this little bowl, it's so cute. What if instead of doing that, you went down to your community 3D printer and, you know, paid some dude from... From, you know, Washington to who built the CAD shit and you download his design and now you have your your cute little bowl for your little stuff. Yeah, we, we um, need a Spotify for 3D. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like that would rule. Um, and so one place I will say, so Kropotkin may not have accurately predicted the trends in manufacturing, but that does not mean that he didn't accurately diagnose the problem of imports, exports, transportation costs, you know, um, nations buying raw cotton to import and and then, you know, or, or exporting raw cotton and then importing the products made from it in some other part of the world. Like, he is absolutely right that that is a total nonsensical like yeah waste of energy and yeah, time it's, it's Labor, absurd it's people. absurd and the only reason it exists is because capital follows the poor working masses so manufacturing goes to the places where people are the most destitute and will manufacture for the lowest costs which is um you know a perfectly rational system under capitalism but not a wholesome system in terms of our individual and community-based thriving and and happiness and access to the goods that we all deserve also um, standardized container shipping yeah, helps with that. I feel like this is one of those things that if people wanted to have a reboot on our society, that there would be more emphasis put toward. I feel like most of the consequences of our actual layout of industrial manufacturing and optimization are similar to the ones that were there, which is we follow whatever is most economically efficient, what allows the capitalists to hold on to the greatest uh, gain of the surplus value. So currently we have this globalized economy where materials flow from country to country because we don't really give a fuck about the environment and our container ships like, you know, destroying it or, um, you know, the, the, the human rights of the people that we're abusing in various areas to have them make things that they'll never be able to like afford to use, you know, like, um, if, if things were set up in a, society such that Kropotkin is, you know, theorizing may have been able to have happened as early as the late 1800s. <laughs> like we probably would be at a position where we would largely do a lot of the manufacturing and production of what we need in a localized basis. Um, if for no other reason than to be extremely resilient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like David was saying, Kropotkin couldn't predict, you know, Cloud shipping, shipping containers. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, shipping containers will do it. But then there's also like tons of other uh, theorists that did predict like yeah. localized, decentralized shipping yeah, or yeah. production, rather. Uh, like, you know, even Frank Lloyd Wright, who's like definitely not a anarchist like Kropotkin was, you know, he's a very uh, ostentatious like vaguely socialist kind of guy where wore capes and shit like he you know he had a very similar you know the ride. cape socialist yeah, yeah yeah him and nathan j robinson yeah, uh, yeah no i like i, yeah, like I wear a cape or a cloak because yeah, yeah. it's got a hood right okay, i have a cloak yeah, yeah. i really like it yeah 
I, right, I have so, bow ties, so I can't, I can't say shit. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has many bow ties. Yeah. All right, so that's your Kropotkin for this week. I hope you enjoy it. Um, after this, we got one chapter left. Ooh. And we will release the audiobook, and then we will be moving on to State and Revolution. Um, so that'll be really fun. I'm super excited to fucking not read Kropotkin anymore. I'll be tr- totally honest. Like, uh, I love him. He's great. I can't wait to not read him anymore. Yeah. So, um, it's a long fucking book. Now you're going to read another dead white guy. Oh, I just love dead white guys. <laughs> Why didn't I marry one? Haha. <laughs> well, you're a, we, we, a could, thr- we could fix that, I guess. No, no, don't worry. You're a, you're a future dead white guy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. posthumously, uh, for the both of you. To. Dead yeah, white guy well, in training. You, 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 will, you will have definitely married a dead white guy eventually. <laughs> dead, dead, oh, now I'm really sad. Dead white guy in training would be a great Twitter bio. <laughs> Well, don't let your dreams be dreams, honey. Don't yeah. let your dreams Make be dreams. Make it happen. I yeah. support. All right. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. Iron Reads Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Iron Reads Pod. If you haven't blocked us yet, that is. Yeah. You, can, <laughs> you can shoot us an email at ironweedspod at, at gmail.com. Um, check out our Patreon. We have lots of uh, good bonus content there. If you give us five dollars, we'll send you some stickers. They're nice stickers. High quality. I actually gave away like 150 of them uh, at the protest just because everybody that was there was so clearly down. I, Hell yeah! I, I wish I had. David more. said people were wearing them on their shirts and shit. I saw some put on uh, some shields. There were like these. Rules. Yeah, there were these young uh, anarchist types uh, that I didn't recognize, and I went up to him and was like, "Hey, want some magic prop? Like we're an anti-capitalist podcast." And they were just like, and they gave me this look, like they they were white, but they they looked at me and they were like, a "White boys podcast." Like <laughs> they just handed it right back to me, and I was like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> respect did you tell them you have a white girl on the podcast too because i i sort of got socially awkward once they were like wait no this is a podcast like and they were resistant to the idea like everyone else like without exception uh was like oh i love stickers thank you <laughs> you know oh people, fuck yeah sticker yeah people like stickers iron weeds podcast the podcast for people who like stickers yeah for real <laughs> all right you don't have to buy a whole new uh like uh, apple product to get those two apple stickers you can get stickers from all sorts of shit that doesn't, true. That doesn't cost a thousand dollars yeah yeah okay we love you bye 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 chapter 16 the decentralization of industry after the napoleonic wars britain all but succeeded in ruining the main industries which had sprung up in france at the end of the preceding century she became also mistress of the seas and had no rivals of importance she took in the situation and knew how to turn its privileges and advantages to account She established an industrial monopoly and, imposing upon her neighbors her prices for the goods she alone could manufacture, accumulated riches upon riches. But as the middle-class revolution of the 18th century abolished serfdom and created a proletariat in France, industry, hampered for a time in its flight, soared again, and from the second half of the 19th century, France ceased to be a tributary of England for manufactured goods. Today, she too has grown into a nation with an export trade. She sells far more than 60 million pounds worth of manufactured goods, and two-thirds of these goods are fabrics. The number of Frenchmen working for export or living by their foreign trade is estimated at three millions. France is therefore no longer England's tributary. 
In her turn, she has striven to monopolize certain branches of foreign industry, such as silks and ready-made clothes, and has reaped immense profits therefrom. But she is on the point of losing this monopoly forever, as England is on the point of losing the monopoly of cotton goods. Traveling eastwards, industry has reached Germany. Fifty years ago, Germany was a tributary of England and France for most manufactured commodities in the higher branches of industry. It is no longer so. In the course of the last 45 years, and especially since the Franco-German War, Germany has completely reorganized her industry. The new factories are stocked with the best machinery, the latest creations of industrial art in cotton goods from Manchester, or in silks from Lyon, etc., are now realized in recent German factories. It took two or three generations of workers, at Lyon and Manchester, to construct the modern machinery, but Germany adopted it in its perfected state. Technical schools, adapted to the needs of industry, supply the factories with an army of intelligent workmen, practical engineers who can work with hand and brain. German industry starts at the point which was only reached by Manchester and Lyon after 50 years of groping in the dark, of exertion and experiments. It follows that as Germany manufactures as well at home, she diminishes her imports from France and England year by year. She has not only become their rival in manufactured goods in Asia and in Africa, but also in London and in Paris. Short-sighted people may cry out against the Frankfurt Treaty. They may explain German competition by little differences in railway tariffs. They may linger on the petty side of questions and neglect great historical facts. But it is nonetheless certain that the main industries, formerly in the hands of England and France, have progressed eastward. And in Germany, they found a country, young, full of energy, possessing an intelligent middle class, and eager in its turn to enrich itself by foreign trade. While Germany freed itself from subjection to France and England, manufactured her own cotton cloth, constructed her own machines, in fact, manufactured all commodities, the main industries also took root in Russia, where the development of manufacture is the more surprising as it sprang up but yesterday. At the time of the abolition of serfdom in 1861, Russia hardly had any factories. Everything they needed—machines, rails, railway engines, rich materials—came from the West. Twenty years later, she possessed already 85,000 factories, and the goods from these factories had increased fourfold in value. The old machinery was superseded, and now nearly all the steel in use in Russia, three-quarters of the iron, two-thirds of the coal, all railway engines, railway carriages, rails, nearly all steamers, are made in Russia. Russia, destined, so wrote economists, to remain an agricultural territory, has rapidly developed into a manufacturing country. She orders hardly anything from England and very little from Germany. Economists hold the customs responsible for these facts, and yet cottons manufactured in Russia are sold at the same price as in London. Capital taking no cognizance of fatherland, German and English capitalists, accompanied by engineers and foremen of their own nationalities, have introduced in Russia and in Poland manufactories, the excellence of whose goods compete with the best from England. If customs were abolished tomorrow, Manufacture would only gain by it.
Not long ago, the British manufacturers delivered another hard blow to the imports of cloth and woolens from the West. They set up in southern and middle Russia immense wool factories, stocked with the most perfect machinery from Bradford. And already now, Russia hardly imports more than a few pieces of English cloth and French woolen fabrics as samples. The main industries not only moved eastward, they are spreading to the southern peninsulas. The Turin Exhibition of 1884 has already shown the progress made in Italian manufactured produce, and, let us not make any mistake about it, the mutual hatred of the French and Italian middle classes has no other origin than their industrial rivalry. Spain is also becoming an industrial country, while in the East, Bohemia has suddenly sprung up to importance as a new center of manufactures, provided with perfect machinery and applying the best scientific methods. We might also mention Hungary's rapid progress in the main industries, but let us rather take Brazil as an example. Economists sentenced Brazil to cultivate cotton forever, to export it in its raw state, and to receive cotton cloth from Europe in exchange. In fact, 40 years ago, Brazil had only nine wretched little cotton factories with 385 spindles. Today, there are 108 cotton mills, possessing 715,000 spindles and 26,050 looms, which throw 234 million yards of textiles on the market annually. Even Mexico is setting about manufacturing cotton cloth instead of importing it from Europe. As to the United States, they have quite freed themselves from European tutelage and have triumphantly developed their manufacturing powers. But it was India which gave the most striking proof against the specialization of national industry. We all know the theory. The great European nations need colonies, for colonies send raw material, cotton fiber, unwashed wool, spices, etc., to the motherland. And the motherland, under pretense of sending them manufactured wares, gets rid of her burnt stuffs, her machines, scrap iron, and everything which she no longer has use for. It costs her little or nothing, and nonetheless the articles are sold at exorbitant prices. Such was the theory. Such was the practice for a long time. In London and Manchester, fortunes were made while India was being ruined. In the India Museum in London, unheard-of riches, collected in Calcutta and Bombay by English merchants, are to be seen. But other English merchants and capitalists conceived the very simple idea that it would be more expedient to exploit the natives of India by making cotton cloth in India itself than to import from 20 to 24 million pounds worth of goods annually. At first, a series of experiments ended in failure. Indian weavers, artists and experts in their own craft, could not inure themselves to factory life. The machinery sent from Liverpool was bad, the climate had to be taken into account, and merchants had to adapt themselves to new conditions, now fully observed, before British India could become the menacing rival of the motherland she is today. She now possesses 200 cotton factories, which employ about 196,400 workmen, and contain 5,231,000 spindles and 48,400 looms, and 38 jute mills with 409,000 spindles. She exports annually to China, to the Dutch Indies, and to Africa, nearly 8 million pounds worth of the same white cotton cloth said to be England's speciality.
and while English workmen are unemployed and in great want, Indian women weave cotton by machinery for the Far East at the rate of sixpence a day. In short, intelligent manufacturers are fully aware that the day is not far off when they will not know what to do with the factory hands who formerly weaved cotton cloth exported from England. Besides which, it is becoming more and more evident that India will not import a single ton of iron from England. The initial difficulties in using the coal and the iron ore obtained in India have been overcome, and foundries, rivaling those in England, have been built on the shores of the Indian Ocean. Colonies competing with the motherland in its production of manufactured goods, such is the factor which will regulate economy in the 20th century. And why should India not manufacture? What should be the hindrance? Capital? But capital goes wherever there are men poor enough to be exploited. Knowledge? But knowledge recognizes no national barriers. Technical skill of the worker? No. Are then Hindu workmen inferior to the 237,000 boys and girls, not 18 years old, at present working in the English textile factories? After having glanced at national industries, it would be very interesting to turn to special industries. Let us take silk, for example, an eminently French product in the first half of the 19th century. We all know how Lyon became the emporium of the silk trade. At first, raw silk was gathered in southern France, till little by little they ordered it from Italy, from Spain, from Austria, from the Caucasus, and from Japan for the manufacture of their silk fabrics. In 1875, out of 5 million kilos of raw silk converted into stuffs in the vicinity of Lyon, there were only 400,000 kilos of French silk. But if Lyon manufactured imported silk, why should not Switzerland, Germany, Russia do as much? Silk weaving developed indeed in the villages round Zurich. Baal became a great center of the silk trade. The Caucasian administration engaged women from Marseille and workmen from Lyon to teach Georgians the perfected rearing of silkworms and the art of converting silk into fabrics to the Caucasian peasants. Austria followed. Then Germany, with the help of Lyon workmen, built great silk factories. The United States did likewise in Patterson. And today, the silk trade is no longer a French monopoly. Silks are made in Germany, in Austria, in the United States, and in England. In winter, Caucasian peasants weave silk handkerchiefs at a wage that would mean starvation to the silk weavers of Lyon. Italy sends silks to France, and Lyon, which in 1870 to 1874 exported 460 million francs worth of silk fabrics, exports now only one half of that amount. In fact, the time is not far off when Lyon will only send higher-class goods and a few novelties as patterns to Germany, Russia, and Japan. And so it is in all industries. Belgium has no longer the cloth monopoly. Cloth is made in Germany, in Russia, in Austria, in the United States. Switzerland and the French Jura have no longer a clockwork monopoly. Watches are made everywhere. Scotland no longer refined sugar for Russia. Russian sugar is imported into England. Italy, although neither possessing coal nor iron, makes its own ironclads and engines for her steamers. Chemical industry is no longer an English monopoly. Sulfuric acid and soda are made even in the Urals. Steam engines, made at Winterthur, have acquired everywhere a wide reputation, and at the present moment, Switzerland, 
that has neither coal nor iron, nothing but excellent technical schools, makes machinery better and cheaper than England. So ends the theory of exchange. The tendency of trade, as for all else, is toward decentralization. Every nation finds it advantageous to combine agriculture with the greatest possible variety of foundries and manufactories. The specialization, of which economists spoke so highly, enriched a number of capitalists but is now of no use. On the contrary, it is to the advantage of every region, every nation, to grow their own wheat, their own vegetables, and to manufacture all produce they consume at home. This diversity is the surest pledge of the complete development of production by mutual cooperation and the moving cause of progress, while specialization is a hindrance to progress. Agriculture can only prosper in proximity to factories, and no sooner does a single factory appear than an infinite variety of other factories must spring up around so that, mutually supporting and stimulating one another by their inventions, they increase their productivity. It is foolish indeed to export wheat and import flour, to export wool and import cloth, to export iron and import machinery, not only because transportation is a waste of time and money, but above all because a country with no developed industry inevitably remains behind the times in agriculture, because a country with no large factories to bring steel to a finished condition is also backward in all other industries. And lastly, because the industrial and technical capacities of the nation remain undeveloped. In the world of production, everything holds together nowadays. Cultivation of the soil is no longer possible without machinery, without great irrigation works, without railways, without manure factories. And to adapt this machinery, these railways, these irrigation engines, etc., to local conditions, a certain spirit of invention, a certain amount of technical skill, that lie dormant as long as spades and plowshares are the only implements of cultivation, must be developed. If fields are to be properly cultivated and are to yield the abundant harvests man has the right to expect, it is essential that workshops, foundries, and factories develop within the reach of the fields. A variety of occupations, a variety of skills arising therefrom, and working together for a common aim. These are the genuine forces of progress. And now, let us imagine the inhabitants of a city or a territory, whether vast or small, stepping for the first time onto the path of the social revolution. We are sometimes told that nothing will have changed, that the mines, the factories, etc. will be expropriated and proclaimed national or communal property, that every man will go back to his usual work, and that the revolution will then be accomplished. But this is a dream. The social revolution cannot take place so simply. We have already mentioned that should the revolution break out tomorrow in Paris, Lyon, or any other city, should the workers lay hands on factories, houses, and banks, present production would be completely revolutionized by this simple fact. International commerce will come to a standstill. So also will the importation of foreign breadstuffs. The circulation of commodities and of provisions will be paralyzed. And then, the city or territory in revolt will be compelled to provide for itself and to reorganize production. If it fails to do so, it is death. If it succeeds, it will revolutionize the economic life of the country. 
The quantity of imported provisions having decreased, consumption having increased, one million Parisians working for exportation purposes having been thrown out of work, a great number of things imported today from distant or neighboring countries not reaching their destination, fancy trade being temporarily at a standstill, what will the inhabitants have to eat six months after the revolution? We think that when the stores are empty, the masses will seek to obtain their food from the land. They will be compelled to cultivate the soil, to combine agricultural production with industrial production in Paris and its environs. They will have to abandon the merely ornamental trades and consider the most urgent need, bread. Citizens will be obliged to become agriculturists, not in the same manner as peasants who wear themselves out, plowing for a wage that barely provides them with sufficient food for the year, but by following the principles of market gardeners' intensive agriculture, applied on a large scale by means of the best machinery that man has invented or can invent. They will till the land, not, however, like the country beast of burden, a Paris jeweler would object to that. They will reorganize cultivation, not in ten years' time, but at once, during the revolutionary struggles, for fear of being worsted by the enemy. Agriculture will have to be carried on by intelligent beings, availing themselves of their knowledge, organizing themselves in joyous gangs for pleasant work, like the men who, a hundred years ago, worked in the Champ de Mars for the Feast of the Federation. A work of delight, when not carried to excess, when scientifically organized, when man invents and improves his tools and is conscious of being a useful member of the community. Of course, they will not only cultivate, they will also produce those things which they formerly used to order from foreign parts. And let us not forget that for the inhabitants of a revolted territory, foreign parts may include all districts that have not joined in the revolutionary movement. During the revolutions of 1793 and 1871, Paris was made to feel that foreign parts meant even the country district at her very gates. The speculator in grains at Troyes starved the sans-culottes of Paris more effectually than the German armies brought on French soil by the Versailles conspirators. The revolted city will be compelled to do without foreigners, and why not? France invented beetroot sugar when sugarcane ran short during the Continental Blockade. Parisians discovered saltpeter in their cellars when they no longer received any from abroad. Shall we be inferior to our grandfathers, who with difficulty lisped the first words of science? A revolution is more than the destruction of a political system. It implies the awakening of human intelligence, the increasing of the inventive spirit tenfold, a hundredfold. It is the dawn of a new science the science of men like Laplace, Lamarck, Lavoisier. It is a revolution in the minds of men, more than in their institutions. And economists tell us to return to our workshops, as if passing through a revolution were going home after a walk in the Epping Forest. To begin with, the sole fact of having laid hands on middle-class property implies the necessity of completely reorganizing the whole of economic life in workshops, in dockyards, and in factories. And the revolution will not fail to act in this direction. Should Paris, during the social revolution, be cut off from the world for a year or two by the supporters of middle-class rule, its millions of intellects, not yet depressed by factory life, 
that city of little trades which stimulate the spirit of invention, will show the world what man's brain can accomplish without asking any help from without, but the motor force of the sun that gives light, the power of the wind that sweeps away impurities, and the silent life forces at work in the earth we tread on. We shall see then what a variety of trades, mutually cooperating on a spot of the globe and animated by the social revolution, can do to feed, clothe, house, and supply with all manner of luxuries millions of intelligent men. We need write no fiction to prove this. What we are sure of, what has already been experimented upon and recognized as practical, would suffice to carry it into effect if the attempt were fertilized, vivified by the daring inspiration of the revolution and the spontaneous impulse of the masses. You already know who it is, man. I just had to speak on some shit. All we need is love. Raised you up above. Your silence will be judged. All we need is love. What was working for y'all clearly ain't working for us. All we need is love. Can't numb the pain with drugs. Present when the time comes. To remind all these people where you really came from. And all we need is love. When it's all said and done, what we do affects the future for our daughters and our sons. Let's take a moment for Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. The most recent victims of a system that wasn't set up for us to succeed. Can't go for a run without getting popped. Breonna Taylor was just sitting in her home and she was shot. Out in these streets, we getting lynched by the cops. Wait. months ago i heard this story college brother on the swim team out in illinois his name is jalen butler with his team at a rest stop on a swim trip police mistook him for somebody else decided to flip unlawful search and seizure false arrest and excessive force they told him that they blow his head off the cops were white of course knee on his neck just like george floyd he could have died the same way rest in peace to george floyd you turned the tide to change our fate Brianna should have turned 27 yesterday. George Zimmerman killed Trayvon. They let him get away. Wait. My dog Moondog got hit with tear gas. My dog BJ got hit with rubber bullets. They twist the narrative to rewrite the past. But the one behind the trigger is the one who pulled it. I know it's easy just being a bystander. But racism is a disease spreading like cancer. My homie hit his dad with some facts and recent bandages Cause he praised that orange man that's on them cameras hey, All we need is love, praised you up above Your silence will be judged All we need is love, what was working for y'all Clearly ain't working for us All we need is love, can't numb the pain with drugs Present when the time comes To remind all these people where you really came from hey, All we need is love, when it's all said and done What we do affects the future for our daughters and our sons Your silence will be judged All we need is love, what was working for y'all Clearly ain't working for us All we need is love, can't numb the pain with drugs Present when the time comes, to remind all these people Where you really came from All we need is love, when it's all said and done Taylor eight times. They had their 
boys neck for over eight minutes. 